Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Bash Bros Podcast. I'm Brad Nelson and I'm joined by my co-host and brother from another mother, Corey Baumeister. How's it going, Corey B underscore MTG? What is up, Brad? I am doing excellent, man. I've been playing so much new standard. It's been like a magical Christmas land on my computer. It is. Now, we just had the Throne of Eldraine Early Access event this past Tuesday, did. a day ago from when we were recording this. And we got a lot of gaming in. I I had two different sessions. I couldn't have enough of it. And at first I was like, I don't think Throne of Eldraine is going to be that great. But I was mistaken because I had a ton of fun. They in had the you coming acts. back for more, huh? Oh, they did. I had to do a late <laughs> night session. Uh, but before we get too far, I do want to say if you are enjoying this podcast, you can follow us on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And if you want to be a patron of the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash bash bros podcast and get to become one of our, I believe it's like a cousin or a step cousin. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, the main we, thing is, is you get to see the greatest video ever made if you become a patron. Oh yeah, no, it is. It is great. I can't believe we <laughs> haven't won an Oscar for it. I know. Anyway, we do have a special guest this Ooh, week because yeah, we have a special it's guest. It's been a really great honor to uh, be chosen as a special guest for the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, it, it, it really means everything to me. I, I've been a longtime fan of the um, Brothers Who Bish podcast. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it means a lot. Thank you so much. And that was Brian Brown our special guest, who almost sounded like he was accepting an award for the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve yeah, I like it. I to with thank that my parents; they always believed in me. That's uh, not true. Yeah, That's don't don't true. say lies on this podcast, please. All right, I'd like to thank the kids from Bangkok. They were always there for me when I needed them most. They kept they... punching you in the face, BBD. Yeah. Okay. I'd like to thank. You know what. <sighs> There's no one to thank. You're, you, you live a thankless life. I do. I live a, a cold and thankless no, life. Honestly, and though, I want to say a thank you, BBD, because I want to thank you for boosting my confidence playing against each other in the streamer event. Thanks for throwing that match against me, BBD. It really brought me to a better place. Thanks, buddy. Hey, th thanks for uh, getting obscenely lucky, you sack of <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's what they all say, ladies and gentlemen. That's what they all say. No, it's it's just what I say. No, it really is. <laughs> all right, so so we'll, we'll you know, children. Let's 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 play nicely. Um, we've got a lot to cover today, so we're going to be breaking up this episode into a couple segments. Now, the first one we're going to be doing is just an overview of uh, a lot of the decks that we saw from the early access event that we deemed potentially worthy of doing well in future standard. Now, for those who are not familiar with the early access event, Wizards uh, gives gifts us all with fully stocked accounts and we just get to play with the new cards. It is best of one. Hashtag sponsored. Hashtag sponsored. Hashtag ad. Uh, we we got to cut. I'm sorry. We have to cut because you, you, you said fully stocked, but you did not include the trademark. Oh, and fully uh, stocked yeah, we're gonna get, our podcast is about to get sued you can't use the term fully stocked without noting that it's for trademarked term oh so. i didn't i didn't know that wow this is this is getting more complex i mean can we just can we just say it no we, we let's just screw Firefest for ruining everything <laughs> now we just have to hashtag add everything <laughs> is that really what uh brought that along oh yeah no that 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 is what 
That's why all of this stuff is like changed, like where you have to always acknowledge that you're like wait a minute and everything. So you're I gotta say it's, me... it's really great to see our government act swift, swiftly and decisively. Uh, you know, to ban things that don't matter. Yeah, uh, but of course, the real issues they they never do shit. But you're but telling anyway, me, yeah. you're telling <laughs> you guys are telling me that with us putting hashtag sponsored on our stuff, we're saving people from having to go to that terrible festival. No, 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 no. Oh. We're oh no, no, no. They're they're still stuck and dead there. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> All proceeds yeah. from this episode go to the Firefly. Uh... <laughs> The Firefly, Firefly? To get, no to get to get Firefly back on TV. I <laughs> wow, let's yeah. do it. All proceeds. I did gonna, love I'm that gonna, show. I did I'm love that say, show. I'm gonna say Firefly is the WoW classic of TV shows. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, it was the best thing ever, and then they then then I you know they come back to it and they're like, okay, it's good, but it's not like you know. I don't whatever. even agree with that. I watch it like I've watched it probably six or seven times. It's only ten episodes. I think it's great. The whole way around. I only yeah, watched sure, it's it. fine, but it's not like I, I think it's worse than the best shows of modern television era. Oh, of course, it's no Breaking Bad or Shameless. Yeah. I only watched it because of Neil Patrick Harris's sing along hour that you showed me, Brad, and then we went to that series, and I just loved it. Wow. Okay, you guys are derailing me. <laughs> okay, okay. Sorry, I just sorry. gotta say, can I just say for the record that everyone's everyone's always like hyped about Fire Festival, but for me, I, I much preferred the Netscape Navigator Festival. Like everyone's all about like the Google Chrome, the Mozilla Fire Festival. No one cares about Netscape Navigator Festival. It was the best of the bunch. Come on. Brad, you know, how about we talk that, about I some that documentary? Oh, really it interesting. Pulled. It was on uh yeah, it was on it was on the Disney uh the new Disney streaming app. You can only get it you can only get it, it on Comcast, actually. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. All right, so uh, without further ado, we're going to get into a lot of the archetypes. Now, a lot of you are probably going to be getting on Arena this weekend and trying to figure out Constructed because it's really exciting that... I mean, I, I'd i still think it's kind of messed up that we're going to have two days of Arena and Magic Online testing before you even play a pre-release. The world is changing. We brought it up before. It's crazy. But that's just how it works. Tomorrow or the day that this comes out, people can get onto uh mtg arena and just start playing the standard format the cards aren't even physically possible to own and yet you can still play with every deck um but we're just going to start with a lot of the uh the archetypes that we saw people playing and trying to make work now uh one of the decks that we saw from corset 2020 standard or not corset 2020 standard was mono red calamity and now that got an upgrade with uh torbran and a lot of people are trying to make that work now torbran Thran of Red Fell is four mana, two, four, and every time a red source would deal damage, it deals two more to an opponent or uh, a permanent that that player controls. Um, I st- I'm still not that that big on this deck, um, but Torben, people Torben are going to keep trying kick. it. Torben gave it a kick, but I don't know if it was enough in the right direction. I want to say that when Brad says 2020 standard, he's referring to the MTG Arena format that only allowed you to play with cards that survived rotation. Yes, so, thank you. Yeah, it's it was a format that allowed you to play with uh the three Ravnica sets and Core Set 2020 alone. So it was kind of like a fake standard pre uh whatever this set's called, Throne of Eldraine. Pretty much yeah, block a, constructed. Yeah, it's like a block yeah. constructed. And and I think a lot of those decks, people are just trying to port a few cards into them, see if they work, and another one of them is blue green flash. 
uh, a flash strategy based around a bunch of counter spells and all the flash creatures. And now this deck got two cards to potentially add to the main deck in Brazen Bower, which I think is great. It's and not Bowerer. Borrower. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just, I, I've got 24 on the mind. Yeah, Brazen, I was going to say, it's Brazen, <laughs> Brazen Jack, Jack Bauer. Bauer. <laughs> I'd watch that show. <laughs> oh, see, that, that's another, that, see, that's another example of a great television show, but it probably wouldn't age if I watched it again. It probably would, uh, I'd, pro I'd probably lose my nostalgia for it. Anyway. We have 24 hours to impeach the president. <laughs> we have 24 hours to get through this metagame. Yeah, and then, and then Wildborn Preserver, which is uh, two mana, flash, elf, archer, green creature that whenever you play a creature that's non-human, you can give it plus X, plus X. I want to say one counters. thing about that card, Brad. Uh, anytime my opponent would attack with that and like any other flyers or something, blocking was just a nightmare. Like w from that deck, that was the scariest thing from blue-green flashes. I just never thought I could block because I just put two counters on something and I get blown out. Why wouldn't oh. you block with your nightmare? It's probably like a six-six. <laughs> BBD, it's a two-drop. Why would I have six mana already? Well, you're the one telling the story. Yeah, yeah. you're the one who has a nightmare in play. Like. BBD, you're the one who just had the nightmare for me annihilating you in our match. So, wow, are you gonna bring that up all episode? <laughs> one more time, and then I'll be good. Yeah, but not now, of course. Continue. All right. So he says annihilate. It was a close game. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, a close lucky. game. I I had multi twitch up, <laughs> and and it was fun to watch. Now. Yeah. So Wild Brown Preserver seems medium to me in this archetype, but Brazen Barrer was very impressive. But the, the blue-green flash archetype... Let's just call him Jack. Let's just call him Jack. All right, all right. So Jack was pretty good in blue-green flash, <laughs> but uh, I still felt like the deck had the same issues. If you fell behind, it was really hard to get back in the game. Oddly enough, I threw one uh, Oko Yono in the deck, and, and yeah, I guess we have to say the real name. Oko something something of something. Thief of Frowns. Yeah. I threw one in, and it actually won me the game. And then every other time I drew it, I could never had time to cast it. And it was just a dud. I've been calling that card Four Oko. Four Oko. Yeah. Four Loco. I like it. I've been yeah. calling it Oko Ono, but Oko Ono is what I've been calling it yeah. too. <laughs> um, but so I still think that both of these archetypes are getting slight upgrades, but still just seem underpowered to the potential of this format. And that's usually the case. Now, a deck that actually seemed pretty cool I saw was, um, I don't remember if it was Andrea Mangucci or Martin Yuza who first was piloting it, but it was a black-green aggro deck, effectively uh, synergizing around Rotting Regisaur and the Great uh, the great Angie. Somebody was calling it the Great Angie. Is it Great Henge? It's Henge. Yeah, it's Henge. Yeah. And... The Great Henge is a nine I mean, mana. Maybe, maybe in a different, maybe in like a, you know, a different language it's pronounced differently. But yeah, the Great like Henge, Stonehenge, you know, like yeah. So so nine mana artifact that gets reduced cost for your greatest power of creatures you control, just the, the the greatest power among creatures you control. Tap to add two green and gain two life, and then whenever a non token creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on and draw a card. So effectively, you could like play. You know, Paradise Druid on turn two. Um, you can cast uh, Swift End to kill something on turn three. And then when you have access to five mana, you can just play Rotting Regisaur and the Great Henge together, which is kind of disgusting for five mana's worth of spells. And um, turn four, I, that's pretty good. Yeah. So <laughs> I've, I've seen that deck was doing surprisingly good, but mostly I've just seen Rotting Regisaur do exceptional things. It's just there's no cast down 
in the format to deal with it. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I was like, I think the Great Henge is a powerful card, but it's 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 obviously very situational. I think the the, the key thing here is that I, I've found Rotting Registrar to be incredibly impressive in this format. So. Yeah, it yeah. seems good. I mean, you never forget about the dinos. It it worked the last format. It might as well work into this format. I mean, the dinos didn't work last format. <laughs> yeah, just, it was so you bad. Won, but... You won a tournament with a ham sandwich. That's just what happened. <laughs> a dino um, ham sandwich. Yeah, you you tricked the world into believing that deck was playable. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> I just want to say that I was never fooled. <laughs> yeah, I was never fooled either. I, well, I, I was. I played like 10 matches with it and realized it was just, you know, bad. But honestly, I want to say one thing about that is when I did win with Jun Dino, Cast Down wasn't being played. It wasn't in the Vampire's deck. You know, Tyrant Scorn was a card in Esper Hero, and the Esper Hero had a good matchup, but that was like the only two-mana spot removal that dealt with it. Uh, so that's why the deck was good. So if, if that's the case again, where there's not great two-mana removal, this card could easily just be a player again. Well, it's going to be a player, and there is specific removal spells, and we'll get into those later. But even at the end of the format, people were ignoring dinos, and it was still wasn't good, bro. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I agree. It was not a great deck. I was just right. making a dino joke. So the first deck that... the 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 other deck that I played a lot with was Is It Phoenix? Um, and I didn't know how to build the deck, so I just kind of threw everything into it. And surprisingly, I, I got my Phoenixes back a decent amount of the time. But the card that impressed me the most, now I added uh, new cards to the strategy, but but the rares or slash mythics that impressed me the most was Iron Craig, Pyromancer, and the Royal Scions. But specifically this 04, it did a lot of work. I did not know that this card was going to be as good. <clears throat> the, the Royal Scions, medium at best, I thought it was going to do a lot more than it actually did. It was nice at looting, nice at triggering this, discarding Phoenixes pushing creatures through, but ultimately every powerful start I had involved this Pyromancer. The card I think is just, is just all upside. Yeah. I think that card's really good. And I also think the Ryan, the Royal Scions is really good in the right shell. Like I had some people that were, uh, Royal Scionsing a Dreadhorde Arcanist to get it big enough to play like three drops from their graveyard. And that was pretty cool, but I played the deck as well. And Pyromancer was the only card that really stood out to me. Um, otherwise, I just didn't think it was insane. But every time I drew Pyromancer and I could just activate it the turn I played it, it was really good. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like the the Pyromancer was great, and I didn't know if the Phoenixes or the rest of the shell was worth it. Um, it just kind of sucks, though, that this format, like, right now I have no way to play Finale of Promise because all of my lists only have one sorcery. We lost Tormenting Voice and Charter Course. And even though the new red card, whatever it's called, the new Tormenting Voice that's instant. Yeah. I'm trying to look that Thrill up. of Possibilities. Yeah, Thrill of Possibilities is a better version because it can trigger uh, Iron Clay Pyromancer on the opponent's turn. It's an instant, so you can't play Promise to yeah. get back your Phoenix. So you still have to do it the old school way. Probably not good enough, but I do think that that card has, has a home somewhere. Now, there's an archetype that uh, a lot of people were also streaming with. None of us did it. None of us got trapped with it. <laughs> I want to say, can I say, uh, jumping on Is a Phoenix for a second, actually? Yeah. Um, I just want to say a couple things. Uh, first of all, there's an incredible meme of uh, Tormenting Voice side by side with uh, uh, the new one. What is it called? Throw a Possibility. Yep. And it just says, like, point out the differences in this picture. 
And then the second frame is just Teferi's face superimposed over the person. <laughs> it's just like it's just the same. It, or they're both the same picture. Like, yeah, that's yeah. That that's it may from say some inst- TV show. It's yeah, so I think good. it was from The Office. But it's like they both. Yeah. They both. Uh, yeah. One one says instant. The other says sorcery. But no, they they both are the same card. To Teferi, they're always sorcery. Uh, but the other thing I want to say is that is it Phoenix has um a, a ceiling to it, and so like. What I mean by that is, I, I don't think it can, it could be the best deck for a weekend, but I don't think it could ever prolonged be the best deck, because there's just so many natural uh, enemies for the deck. For example, Narset, both of these two new cards you're talking about, Iron Craig Pyromancer and the Royal Science, Narset annihilates them both. Ooh, fun um, fact about Narset. Because of are, this- there, are there actually fun facts about Narset? Well, this, this, this is a fun fact. They're they're actually because to to fairy uh, hero of dominaria is rotated out. They're just taking his it's time to slow down voice and adding it to Narsad on arena. Really? Just for, just for this? No. Okay. But this matchup, it feels like that. You play a Narsad against this deck, it's like it's time to slow down. All right, yeah, let's slow things down. Yeah, I, I'm embarrassed that for a second I believed you. Oh, uh, <laughs> you should be. I I am. And then the other thing is that there's there's the white enchantment too. Uh, I, I mean that card's kind of weak, but uh, the one that prevents you from playing multiple spells in a turn uh, also also is good. You know, would be a hate card against Is It Phoenix should it become a dominant strategy. Yeah, now, what you're talking about is the new Throne of Eldraine card, correct? I'm talking about it's a one mana white enchantment that's basically silence. That's it. Yeah, it, it has an insane silence. art, by the way. It does. <laughs> but, it reminds me of uh, Gibbering Descent. Are you familiar with the art from Gibbering Descent? No, but I thought that was just your mental state. <laughs> oh, it is. And in fact, the card's art reflects it as well. So. <laughs> yeah, Gibbering Descent and Deafening Silence have fairly similar art. And I, I just, they're like two of my favorite arts that I've, I mean, Gibbering Descent's from Time Spiral Block, but I, I love the arts on both those cards. Anyway, yeah. sorry to. And also, real. Rule Law is legal as well. This is just better. Right, right. Cost one mana. Yeah. Um, but so the next deck we're going to move on, because I agree with you. I think that Is It Phoenix has a ceiling, and it just can it can be overpowered by more powerful strategies. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like the biggest problem with Is It Phoenix. It's good when decks are exchanging on a micro level, and um, they don't have over-the-top powerful cards, but every deck feels like it's designed around having something to do with velocity and momentum. Plus, your and, opponent just plays like a rotting registrar, and like your shocks don't kill it. Like that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And yeah so, red removal can only go so far. Yeah, like when when the deck was good at one time in Magic, when a black green mid range deck was trying to fend off against a white weenie deck, so it could like position itself really well in between them. Right. But in yeah. this format, I don't think it's going to be that good. But I do think that Iron Craig Pyromancer has the chops to like it alone will make sure that the next deck we're talking about never is good because whenever a hyper-aggressive deck gets good in the format, I think Iron Pyromancer plus Red Removal just beats the living crap out of it. Yeah. And that is the night strategies. Now, I don't think any of us played with them because we didn't get tricked by it, <laughs> but a ton of people did, and I think we all share the same experiences, which is that we just just throttled them. We just embarrassed them. And um, do, you, do either of you have anything to say about um, whether what knight's decks were better than others or worse or what any cards that impressed you because I kind of just smashed these decks every time I played them. Yeah, honestly, they were just creating such tiny creatures that didn't seem to work together as well as I thought. Like the knight creature that 
the kind of hero precinct one night creature, I'm forgetting the name of it. That card only makes like humans and it's not actually night. So you can't use like the drain life card uh, equal to knights. It, it doesn't get huge. So like none of the, none of the worthy cards- Knight. Worthy Knight, yeah. Worthy Knight just doesn't really work well with the rest of the strategies. I think, you know, they got to play Murderous Rider, which is an insane creature. But every deck I played had spot removal and spot removal dealing with their Lord effects and just keeping their creatures at a minimum. It just, it, it seemed pretty trivial just to beat two mana, two, two bears. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll just add to it the, to say that like, Years of magic theory could tell you that this deck wasn't going to be good because uh, decks that are based around synergy almost just are almost never good. It, it's you know standard is about power, and this deck is a deck that plays <laughs> a ton of cards that can't stand on their own merit and tries to make them work because of their inherent synergies with each other. It's so easy to pick that apart, like re- one removal spell, and then now you have a bunch of bears, or like you know you play. You play a Tulsimir, and suddenly you've killed a creature, and every and you have two creatures that are both bigger than the all all the two twos that they have, and you gain three life. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the deck isn't fast enough to bowl people over before they can stabilize. Uh, doesn't have the grinding power that it needs to go late in a game, and uh, every, all the cards rely on each other to to enable their synergies and are unplayable on their own. Those those yeah. decks are just. They're never good enough. I mean, it has good cards as Knight of the Ebon Legion. It has, you know, Murderous Rider and stuff. Those are good cards, but the deck itself, I I, I think it's pretty, you know, th- theory alone, uh, let alone us all beating the crap out of it, would tell you that this deck would not be good. I mean, yeah. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Brian, but the, the fact remains that no matter how much we, like, you know, I, I put a rant in my article that was a, along the same vein, not not this exact stuff, but, like, it doesn't matter what we say. People are still going to try to make giant opportunity decks because it's fun to them. And, yeah, that's totally cool. I have uh, no problem. No, with no, that, no. Yeah, I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you don't. I'm just saying that, like, you know, if you want to be a competitive Magic player, you just have to wake up and realize that, like, the only synergies that should be in your deck are synergies on cards that, uh, at their rate alone, are fine and worth playing. And to combine, they're disgusting. This is good on its own. Hydra Grace is good on its own. Together, disgusting. Tyrant Scorn is good on its own. Teferi is good on its own. Together, yeah. disgusting. <clears throat> yeah, you and I, w- I will say one thing, though, about Synergy decks, like, not being good. We saw, like, at the end of Last Standard where the Vampire Synergies were insane, but that was at an eight-set standard. Like, I could 100% see a Knight deck by the time we get to eight-set standard have, like, a lot more good Knights from the next sets and get to the level where Vampires was. But right now rightfully so they didn't put the power level that the knight strategy needs just in this set to make it a tier one deck so i wouldn't be shocked if throne doesn't give a couple oh, yeah. good knights or something and also vampires was different because vampires had the power level like yeah yeah vampires did have a few duds in it you know your some <clears> of your <throat> one drops like sky marcher aspirant or uh the one two that drains like those were kind of duds on, t- on, on terms of like uh power level concerns but the other cards in the deck were so powerful, and Vampires was a deck that grinded well, too. You know, you couldn't just uh, kill two creatures, and then all of a sudden, like, your your opponent's deck sucks. Uh, Vampires had, like, Soren was insane, uh, Legion's Landing was insane, Champion well, of Dusk you- was insane, Adanto. Like, it, just the power of the deck was so high 
that you could afford a couple of duds in there, whereas with Knights, it's just not the same. Well, yeah. the deck also just had an unbeatable nut curve that there, there's no way this deck has that. Like, right. Clarion's still going to sweep your board, but if you went Sword into Champion <laughs> turn three after playing two creatures, you're not losing the game. It doesn't yeah. matter. You're just wrath not you, losing the game. They wrath you the next turn. It's like, okay, you, you it looks like you three for one to me, but you actually, uh, you know, one for two'd yourself or whatever it is. Yeah. So I drew three cards, so. Yeah, I think the main message here is just leave your knights at home. They're not quite cooked yet. You got to keep those in the oven. The witch's oven. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't understand the reference here. All right, but witch's speaking of ovens, speaking of ovens <laughs> we're going to move on to a really fun card that still potentially has a chance for how powerful it it looked. Fires of Invention. Now, um, the first deck I played was Brian Gottlieb's uh niv mizzet five color fires of invention deck and then the first loss i had with that deck was to vtcla's gruel deck piloted by uh huey huey jensen um which was a green red based fires of invention deck that played cavalier of flame and wildborn preserver to use the mana now to explain fires of invention it is three colors red enchantment and it has two abilities um one's a restriction and one's a gain the restriction is you can't play spells on your opponent's turn and you can't play more than two spells a turn. But the gain you get is whenever you can cast spells without paying mana, if you have enough lands to its converted mana cost. So if you have five lands to play, you can cast any five drop. If you have six lands to play, you can cast any six drop, but you can only cast two a turn. Um, now, the Nibizit deck got the benefit of sometimes not having all your colors, but still being able to cast Nibizit because you played Fires of Invention. But what I found really interesting is the Gruul's deck got to use its mana when it cast spells for free through Wildborn, Preserver, and Cavalier Flame. And I saw a turn five kill with two Cavalier Flames. Just play play turn four fires, turn five, double Cavalier, pump them, eight, 18 the opponent. and Or 16 the opponent, and that was lethal. So I don't know exactly what to do with these cards. Escape of the Wilds is also a card that these decks are playing because it just generates value. But I don't think that Fires of Invention is is just a meme card. It Usually these kind of cards are not good in standard, but I, I actually have faith that they might um, do something. Do either of you have any opinion on this card? Uh, uh, I think Fires of Invention is very strong. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a, a, a powerful card. Um, I, I think it's going to be uh, kind of like a, a Wilderness Reclamation build-around style card, but I, I believe that making two spells free... <coughs> is incredible like if if like what you were saying is true like if you have ways to spend your mana otherwise uh like you you can you can go like uh on six lands like oh commence the end game draw two cards make a make a creature play another big thing and then uh you know use your mana to to invest into something else and i just think that there's so many ways to refuel your hand or uh, like keep the gas going if you don't have to invest the mana into it that that I think I, I'm pretty sure that this card will uh, be in a tier one deck yeah I think it's really good as well I think you have to be a little afraid of how many you play just because drawing two of them obviously does nothing Um, but I mean it's just a very strong card and if you can find cards like I think Gilded Goose to even make food sack food while you're playing two spells um, you know, even Niv-Mizzet draws you into cards like you were saying, BBD. And then another card is uh, the land in Jeskai Walkers, where you animate, make a 3-3. Um, 
Sorry, you guys Mobilized know. Mobilized District. Mobilized yeah. District, I think, gets a lot better if you can find a, a deck with a home with those two cards because then you can actually still be attacking plus playing two free spells. It, it impressed me. Oh, yeah. This is this is the card that I feel like people are going to have the most fun exploring. And for you, or for those of you <clears> at home uh, that want to build Fires decks, I think you just have to really go aggressive on your mana base and add utility lands and then pull that back. Like, with your initial builds, be aggressive on this stance and then pull it back as you see fit. But when I was playing the five color dip deck, my mana was only there to be color fixing and just turn after turn when I had fires in play, I, I, I had nothing to do with my mana. It felt, it felt like I was just wasting my turns, even though I was winning because the, the, the deck was very powerful. Um, mm. But that's something to keep in mind. Now uh, we're moving on to another deck that I feel like a lot of people will invest their time and effort into because it's been the most played deck for ever. I mean, in the context of in my own home. And that's Esper Hero. <laughs> you, Esper keep the hero. hero. you keep the heroes in the basement, don't you? Oh, yeah. The, I, yeah, the, the, the heroes we need are in the basement. <laughs> but, Brad, there, there can't be a hero without a villain first. I mean, yeah, don't, don't, don't say anything but Amber. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> what I was... Don't say too loud. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I'm in the basement. I felt like I could maybe voice it without her overhearing. I mean, no. it's... We're walking on eggshells here, but... Uh, Sold no, out. <laughs> yeah, I think um so I I I'll, I'll, I'll in a rare moment of honesty, uh yeah, I don't think Esper Heroes where it's at. Uh <gasps> oh, What? Excuse me? Bri Brian Brown doing, right? This isn't Brian David Marshall? It's not. Well, the first step to to getting help is is acceptance, Brian. I'm proud of you, BBD. We'll find you the guidance that you need. We'll be here <laughs> for you the whole journey. Uh, I don't believe that for an instant, but uh, I'll believe it for a sorcery, though. But yeah, I think uh, I think a multicolored sorcery. Yeah, I think Esper Hero. Uh, so I, I just have a few short things to say about Hesper Hero. Uh, I, I think the loss of Teferi was way more impactful than I initially believed, and uh, I no longer. I, I think Esper Hero is still a play, like a you know maybe a tier two strategy, but it's not going to be the dominant strategy that it was. I don't believe. Now here's the deal with uh with heroes. I don't think the elite guard mage Bolas Citadel version is playable anymore because that version relied on Teferi Hero of Dominaria to as the glue to hold the deck together. It was extra removal spells and it was a way to keep gas flowing when you needed it. And without that card, uh you just you spin your wheels too you flood out too much, you spin your wheels too much without being able to kill your opponent, and then you give them time to get back in the game. Uh, there's just too many flaws with that way to build the deck. So now I believe that the way to build Esper Hero is an aggressive mid-range deck. And that includes cards like uh, Seraph of the Scales, which has been performing very well in the deck. And now it did get a couple of upgrades from Throne of Eldraine. Number one, Murderous Rider, just a very powerful card. At, uh, just, just generically good. It doesn't really fit the theme of the deck, but it's just good. But the, other, the big one is Lockmere Serpent, which... 7-7 uh, seven, seven flash for 6 mana, and can become unblockable, can draw you cards. Is also multicolored for hero. That card was very impressive. Uh, it was closing the game out very fast. Uh, it could buffer your life total a little bit, and it could give you... Like, sometimes you just need to draw an Oath of Kaya to win the game, and you get three shots at it or something. Uh, so I, I was really impressed with Lockmere Serpent. 
in the deck. And uh, the other card that surprisingly impressed me was Drown in the Lock, which I, I thought that card was going to be bad. But uh, as, a, as a one or a two of, it was basically like one of the best cards you could draw later in the game. Just a dual dual removal spell that kills anything or counter spell that counters anything. Uh, quite impressed with that card. So Esper did get some new tools, but the mana's, the mana's bad, and I don't think it's as powerful of a strategy when you have to play it aggressively. Yeah, it got new tools, but it lost its hammer into Fairy Hero of Dominaria. Right. <laughs> what? what? Okay. Um, <laughs> That's a main so, tool, Brad. All right, you need so a hammer. Two of the last uh, decks that we want to cover... Uh, before we get into some deep dives into decks that we actually really like, are Andrea Maguchi's Black Red Aggro deck. Now, he was talking <laughs> with this and bragging on social media about going 10-0 with it. Um, and there's a few cool interactions with the deck. Now, this is just a, you know, a very stockish look of a Black Red Aggro deck. It's just got a generic curve. It plays Murderous Rider and the uh, b- Bone Something Giant. Bone Crusher. Bone Crusher Giant as removal spells and threats that can be played. Plays a curve of um, uh, Fervent Champion, Gutter Bones, Knight of the Evan Legion. Uh, just trying out some of the new two drops. Robber of the Rich, which I wasn't that impressed with, especially since there's not a lot of other rogues in the deck. But the card that sounds most interesting to me is Stormfist Crusader, along with Spawn of Mayhem. Just on, on your upkeep, each player is going to lose a life, even if you can't menace through the damage. You, that'll be able to let you cast the Spawn of Mayhem if you want to. But you also have uh, Rotting Regisaur for a three-drop. Just a very aggressive curve, and every card in the main deck is a creature, even though eight of them are th- removal spells. I think that's really cool. Yeah, no, I think this deck's really strong. Uh, the one card I don't really like from it is the Fervent Champion. Like, there's not a lot of knights in the deck. Like, you have Knight of Ebon Legion, the Crusader, and the Murderous Rider, so that's a little less than, what, half? So that's the only card that doesn't seem fit, but I just think Black-Red Aggro in general is going to be a very good week one deck just because everybody's going to be fooling around with these Fire of Invention deck, these food decks, and just all kinds of other nonsense. And if you're just being aggressive, being proactive, that's where you're going to want to be at when it comes to like SCG Philadelphia, the Mox Playoff, our first big standard deck or standard tournaments, as well as like the Mythic Championships that you guys have coming up pretty quickly. Seems like... uh, um, aggression usually wins these first week standards. I agree with you. All other competitors, I will be playing Black Red Aggro. <laughs> Mythic, <laughs> Mythic Championship 5. Um, I'll be I playing think- Esper Hero. I'll be in the 3-6 bracket. Now, I think... Um, I just want to add one last thing about this deck, is that this is the opposite of Mardu Knights. Uh, so this is an aggressive deck, but all the cards are good on their own merit. And they also do have synergy with each other. Yeah. So that's that's where that's where you want the synergy. Like your cards do synergize with each other. They're also all playable on their own. This is what Mardu Knights wishes it was. Yeah. And that well fervent champion and the robber of the rich might turn into other creatures slash add a little removal. Like we always see this when when a new set comes out, decks have too many threats, not enough for answers because we don't know what the specific answers should be. So also too many new cards too. You know. Too, way too many new cards. New decks, I always have too many. I, I'm fearing that I have too many new cards in the deck that I'm thinking about registering for fandom. And and I know of these rules. Like, there's there's always two things when, when spoiler season comes around, especially the rotation spoiler. Um, two things that always happen. People play too few lands and play too many new cards. Yep. It's yeah. just every time. You just add another land to every deck people play. And, and it sounds like a joke, but it's I actually do it. I take yeah. out one of the new cards and add a land. 
And so I, I have an extra. I have an extra land in my Abzan deck mm-hmm. than Corey does. Does that mean that I'm superior to him? Yes. Excellent. Not if, not, not if you look not, at the scoreboard. I judge people. I judge people on the amount of lands they have in their decks. And yes, all of you out there that put your decks on the internet, I have looked at them, I have judged them, and I have checked your land count. That is just a fact of life. Perhaps grind three and then dealing damage to you equal to the CMC of his top card. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the other deck that I thought was really cool was um, Gabriel Nassif's four color wolf deck. Now this deck. Uh, use Paradise Druid and Gilded Goose to get along with um, what what's the land called? I always forget it. Filded, Fabled Passage. Fabled Passage to to just have light splashes for Oko, Garrick, and Talsmere. And besides that, it's a wolf strategy. Um, now it had a pretty crappy card. I can't remember. It's the one the adventure card that makes makes a clue or not clue. Um, a food makes a food. Yeah, I can't. I, I can't see exactly what it is. But. It's some sort of. It's the. It's the enchantment, right? Is that what it was? Yeah. It, it, it's. Uh, I'm. I'm looking for it. No, 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 it's not the enchantment. It's a one-three for colorless green. Oh, I it? thought it was. Tra- I thought it was the trail. No, card. That, that's that's an uncommon card that you can play. But this, the card I'm talking about is just. Uh, Isn't it Trail of Crumbs? Yeah, I thought it was Trail of Crumbs too. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is. Okay, we need to figure this out. I need I need to know because now I'm looking through the cards as well. No, it's it's Curious Pair. It's Colorless Green 1-3. Oh. And treats to share. Um, and it's G Sorcery, create a food token, and then it's just a one three. And that's an adventure think... card as well for anybody. It's an adventure wondering. card, yeah. yeah. I think it's oh, there. Okay. It's there because your deck doesn't mind putting food tokens into play because Oko and Wicked Wolf both use them. They 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 devour them. Um, whether it's making an elk to be aggressive or just, you know, a Wicked Wolf killing a two power or less creature is great. But it coming down and killing something bigger by sacking some sacking food is great. Also, it can just get into combat. I think this card impressed me way more than Questing Beast. And I thought Questing Beast was going to. Now, if if the format's all about Narsets and Teferis and Planeswalkers, sure, Questing Beast is where it's at. But in the early weeks, I think there's going to be more creatures, and I was super impressed with Wicked Wolf. Same. I think that card was unbelievably good. Yeah, I started I started just calling it, you know, the Green Chupacabra, which it really was. And I, 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 did, I don't even know if I, like, took a second look at the card when I first saw it spoiled. Yeah, I didn't either, yeah. And then when I saw someone put in a deck list, I read it, I'm like, I'll cast it. And I cast it once, and I'm like, wow, this card is great. And I think, I think it's better than Chupacabra. I mean, it's bigger. Oh. Well, it's green. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, even even outside of color stuff or whatever, I just I just think the card is better than Ravenous Chupacabra was, and that card saw lots of play. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I didn't play against it a ton, but honestly, it's very powerful, and I wouldn't be shocked if it uh, has a better fit for sure in this deck than Questing Beast. Yeah. So one card. So there's two cards that I I guess we can talk about a few cards, but I think we're all in agreement. Oko, Thief of Crowds is actually just great. Yeah, yeah, that card's powerful. Um, now mm-hmm. it's it's going to get worse after cyborgs when people can noxious grasp and stuff. But I found that that card just never died in game once. Mm-hmm. It just lived forever, and anyone that tried to overpower me with a threat, it turned it into a three three. Um, even when they would cast things like the Great Henge, I would just turn that into a three three. Um, <laughs> it was super powerful. And when we were in top deck wars or when the board was stalled, I would be generating value from it, and they could never they could never break break through it. 
with a permanent because I would just turn that into something. And so it's like really hard to break stales. Um, so that's the interesting thing about that card. Whereas to fairy time raveler, you could you, in a stalemate, it wasn't that good. Yeah. Also, like the difference here is like to fairy goes down. Oko keeps going up. That's really hard to get to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I I actually believe that Oko. I think all three planeswalkers from Throne of Eldraine are ex- extraordinarily powerful. But I think uh, I think Oko's is potentially the best of the bunch. Uh, Maybe I think stuff. I think the Royal Science is the worst of them, and that card's very good. So it's kind of it's, it's kind. Of, I just want to say that the yeah, it's it's, it's wild that, that so short after War of the Spark they printed a set where all three Planeswalkers are very strong. But I'm glad there's not 27 of them or whatever that there was in War of the Spark. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that Gilded Goose is also a pretty good card. It's not great. It's not amazing. It's definitely something you don't have to play in your green decks, but. When when you're playing it and Wicked Wolf and Oko and Nissa and Paradise Druid, you, it should be there uh, yep. because it's the card that's going to allow you to play turn three Nissa. No other card allows that besides Leyline of whatever the green Leyline. But Abundance. that card's not, yeah. And I found that making extra um, food tokens to gain life and stalemates is nice. Um, and it, it was just great with Oko and Wicked Wolf just being able to like you know. It does have application. So I really like that. One card I was not impressed with, at least in decks that I was working on, we'll get to it later, but that's blue-green ramp, uh, was once upon a time. I, I don't see the value of this card. Everyone else seems so hyped about it, at least my Twitch chat was. I don't see the value because green decks always revolve around Planeswalkers, and I feel like you ramp, and I just don't see why I'm investing my time into this card. So... I'm I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. I think Once Upon a Time is a very good card. However, cards are products of the decks that they're in and the environment that they're in. Like you can't just put good cards in your deck and have a deck. You have to build a good deck. Like that's yes. that's one really important thing about Magic, and people don't. A lot of times, people don't grasp that that a deck that's just good cards. You, you you need you need there to be a cohesive theme to the cards in your deck, and once upon a time is not going to be good in one of these kinds of decks. Like Brad's uh, for exactly the reasons that Brad said, that doesn't mean that once upon a time is a bad card. I think the card is very strong, but you got to play it in a deck that utilizes its power level. For example, I think the card's great in Golos because uh, you can play it for free early on. It it'll find you, you know. It it can maybe find you your three mana ramp card if you're playing, uh, you know, Risen Reef, or if you're playing the the giant that that has the adventure that that lets you get a land. Uh, you know, it it finds you a, a ramp spell. Uh, it finds you a wrath effect if you're playing Realm Razor, a Realm uh something giant, and Realm you know it gets you a Golos. It gets you a Field of the Dead. Uh, the card, and you have a lot of excess mana to invest into a two mana card. So, like, that, that's the strategy where Once Upon a Time, I think, is actually a phenomenal card. Oh, that sounds great. It can get you a Ramp Spell, a Wrath. It can get you a Ramp Spell. It can get you a Wrath. It can get you a Field of the Dead. Uh, sometimes you need to fix mana early on. You're playing a five-color deck. But yeah, the, the, I think the card's really strong in a, in a style like deck like that. But, yeah, you're not going to play it in this deck where, uh, you know, you, you want to hit your four drop on turn four. You want to play your five drop on turn five. Your six drops are not creatures. Like, when do you have time to cast Once Upon a Time? Yeah. You're not going to play it, find a wolf, and then only now you only have two mana left, you can't cast your wolf. That's not a good turn. 
So, yeah, uh, once again, it's just it's just a really powerful card, but you have to be cognizant of the deck that you're playing it in. Yeah, yeah I agree plain, with that. Plain and simple, you just don't want to waste a turn to play that. You want to be curving out in standard, as far as the impression that I've gotten so far. Yeah. All right, so, so um, besides that, is there another deck that we need to discuss in standard? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's oh, a yeah. few. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, there's one more deck. So, last night... Uh, I saw I could I I was in my room reading a book and I overheard Brad talking and I was like oh he must be streaming so as one does I went to the basement spent twenty minutes building a deck uh, and then tried to stream snipe him for these for subsequent two hours <laughs> there's only like two hundred people in the early access event there's probably only like fifty people online I'm queuing up at the same time he does. For two hours straight, and they never paired us once. I think there's a flaw in this pairing software. Wow. Brad was sitting there for 30 seconds. He couldn't find a pairing. I'm sitting here for 30 seconds. I can't find a pairing. Yeah, then finally, we get they, paired against two other people. Then we finally get paired against random people, and I kept having to beat these random people that I'm not trying to get paired against with Heinous Anus 2.0. What I love the <laughs> most about this oh, with Heinous Anus 2.0. Oh, I built a deck with no win condition solely to get paired against Brad and waste his time. And instead, all I did was waste my own time. Did you and play the time all the games? Of other... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I actually won, er- <laughs> I won all the games I played with it. <laughs> it was actually not so, bad. So what I love about this is you're sitting there trying to snipe me. And at one point, I just stopped. Well, I was continuing streaming, but not magic. And I took a Harry Potter quiz on the official Pottermore website where I have to make a an account and everything and then take uh, the uh, the offering hat or whatever, the choosing hat. Sorting test. hat. The what? Sorting hat. The sorting hat test to see which house that I, that I belong to. The yep. only thing I gathered from your guys' story here is your MPL life allows you to have way too much free time. Both of you. <laughs> yeah, so what? <laughs> I'm sorry that we have time to pursue things that we enjoy, Corey. Yeah, my apologies. I, 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 apo- I apologize that uh, <laughs> the the abject misery of a post-capitalist society hasn't negatively impacted us. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I brought it up. <laughs> mm. All right, so... You should be. You should be. All right, so now, now we're going to talk about decks that we actually, like, really played and and we're going to do a little bit of a deeper dive on them um we went a little bit longer than i thought we would for the beginning but we should have enough time so um i kind of fell in love with blue green ramp and that is a deck that i'm going to play in fandom and i want to talk to you guys about some of the options in it but let's start off with obs on midrange it's a deck that both of you i think independently or maybe just talking to each other got really excited about and now i'm usually the like yeah let's do this but this deck didn't excite me the idea of it didn't. So so pitch me on Obzon, Obzon Midrange slash Ely Cathis. That's right. Thanks for calling it by his proper name. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So so kick kick us off, Corey. What's what what's what's the uh the reason to want to play P- sell sell me on Obzon Midrange centered around um Kethis, the hidden hand. So uh as far as the Abzan shell that I played, I only played a couple Kethis. And the reason I played that is you normally don't want to draw two 
um, because they don't die a ton of the time. But Kethis just serves as your ninth and 10th creature ramp spell to be able to cast Tolzmir, the Wolf Lord or whatever, and then Garrick, the Cursed Huntsman, a little bit faster. Um, essentially, I'm just playing a bunch of ramp spells, Paradise Druid being the best one just because not being able to interact with your two mana ramp creature is something that we haven't seen in standard. I mean, we had in a it, while in a while. We've Silver had Silver Carriot's Head, which was a dominant card, by the That's way. That's true, but, but yeah. that was the last one. But that one was truly <laughs> hexproof. In our last standard, Chain Whirler was dealing with uh, Paradise Druid, so it wasn't as good. Paradise Druid is really going to be an insane card moving forward now that one of the most popular decks can't actually kill it. Um, but anyways, I digress. Getting into Paradise Druid ramping into either Questing Beast or Veraska, um, uh, the format of Veraska. Ramping into those on turn three was uh, just Excuse insane. me, Corey, they're both four mana. I need more specific. Uh... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Veraska Relic much. Seeker. I no, think. that's that's the rotating six man Nebraska. Oh, but he could have been talking about he could have been talking about the standard legal six man Nebraska. Oh yeah, or the standard legal four man Nebraska, which there are two of. Yeah. Is there really? Yes. There's the one from War of the Spark that's an uncommon. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, not that one. <laughs> I think ramping into a one one death touch doesn't sound too enticing. Not great. Yeah. So maybe my testing was flawed, but. <laughs> also, like the six man, you're not playing the six man Nebraska. I was not playing the six mana Veraska, which is not no. legal because it was in Ix. Oh, it's legal. <laughs> Again, there is a legal one. But yeah, Veraska you... scheming Gorgon, the dual deck Veraska. Oh Come on. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. But I did get to play a six mana Planeswalker, <laughs> though, guys, and it is Elspeth 2.0. Garrick the Cursed Huntsman is just as closely compared to Elspeth, uh, I don't know what that got. I don't Sun's know. Champion. Elspeth Sun's Champion as we can get. You get. Two creatures, you get more power by ticking, well, you know, the up ability, which is a zero. Um, and then just being able to kill a creature. You have a lot of synergies with uh, Vraska where you can sack a wolf and then immediately emblem with Garrick. And then as well as the um, synergies that you have with Tolzmir and just pl um, pl playing the zero ability from Garrick, being able to deal four damage to something, gain six life, like... The synergies were just unreal, and this was only best of one, and not only was it just great and best of one, but you get such an insane sideboard from Abzan. You get, like, Devote Decree to deal with uh, Blue-Red Phoenix-type decks, as well as these Red-Black Aggro decks, as well as Mono-Red Calamity. You get D-Spark for big stuff, Veil of Summer to protect yourself. Like, your sideboard's gonna be insane in this deck. Um, I, I agree with all of that. Yeah, I, I, there's a couple points of uh, contention that Corey and I have on the deck. Uh, so my, my, my deck was a bit different than Corey's deck. I'm finding out. Uh, I, I don't actually like ramp <laughs> cards in mid range decks very much, and so I think Paradise Druid is a very powerful card and a necessary evil. But I, I'm incredibly skeptical on cards like Incubation Druid or Gilded Goose or those kinds of cards in this kind of deck. Uh, I believe that I'd rather interact with my opponent on turn two than play a creature that they might interact with that will really set me back if I'm relying on it. So uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not super keen on Unincubation Druid, where uh, you're you're banking on its ramp and then hoping it survives, and then later in the game you're drawing a card that has like very low impact. 
when your curve stop tops at six. So I'm not I'm not super keen on that on that way to build it. I'd rather play like good removal spells. Uh, ultimately, though, I think that this deck what uh, was very good. I think it was the best performing deck for both Corey and I during the early access event. I won almost all my games with it, and Corey also went like fourteen and two or something crazy yeah, with 14 it. Fourteen and two. So we both had great success with e- even our different builds of the deck. Uh, but I-, I think there is a flaw to the strategy, and that flaw is that. Uh, from three to six mana, your cards are disgustingly good. Uh, one and two mana, you're a little bit weak outside of Paradise Druid. Uh, the removal spells aren't great. Uh, the other ramp cards aren't 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 super great. Uh, so I, that there's no there's no good discard. Like I don't want to play Duress. You know, uh, yeah. if I had thought Erasure or something, that would be a different story. So that there's a little bit of a hole there in the deck, and I think that's going to come down to what the metagame looks like as to how you fill those cards. But I'm going to echo that Garrick was unbelievably good. Like, very, I was very pleasantly surprised at how good it was. I'm not as big on... Uh, Tulsimir was also very, very good, too. Not as big on Questing Beast as Cory is. Like, it was a good card, but it didn't blow my socks off. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, uh, I just felt like all the games that I lost uh, from Abzan were games when I couldn't cast my spells fast enough and uh any any game where i played a ramp spell into a four drop i usually won but yeah maybe you're right that you want to shift more towards removal but like right now the options are like at two legion's end and like glass casket and both are good against specific decks but i mean if you have glass casket and legion's end and they go questing beast i mean you feel really stupid um now if they go you know voracious hydra just play a giant one and you have a legion's end for two mana to affect it you feel really smart but that's why it's a really high variance flex slot right there yeah i had assassin's trophies which they were actually pretty good for me but But the land wasn't too big of a you know i I just didn't well i'm not trying to yeah i mean like that's a card that i would prefer to not cast on turn two yeah i'm just saying it was a two mana removal spell that had application later in the game that's fair I also played. I also had Legion's End and stuff, which was which was fine. But yeah, I played two Glass Casket, two Mortify, two um, Othakaya, and then four Murderous Rider as my removal. Just kind of to test. That's for sure not going to be right. But there was so much like fire invocation or whatever that enchantment that Mortify seemed like it was actually going to be pretty decent, and it was okay. But yeah, so I had a I I had a little bit of a different build because I was relying on Assassin's Trophy to deal with those kinds of cards. Yeah. So I didn't have to waste slots with a, a card like Mortify. I'm not saying one is necessarily correct over the other, uh, but I, I I had more like I had full set of Kethys and I think I had a full set of Oath of Kaya as well. Oh wow! So yeah. I mean, they work well together. Being able to Oath and have it Legend Rule with your other Oath and then exile that later to Kethys. I think is awesome. I think four Kethys is at least one too many, but... They also work incredibly well with Frasca, though, too. Both of them. Like, you can just sack an Oath, play another Oath. You can... If you have too many Kethyses, you just swing for three, sack it to Vraska, play another one. Yeah. It's not not the end of the world. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. I just think uh, Vraska as well was just insane uh, whenever you could cast it early. Um, Just a really good card. I think it got a lot better. It's incredibly good. I agree. Yep. Yeah, no, it, it... Vraska seems like it's it's hitting the mark for this format. Like there's it's one of the cards that actually like this is an archetype that has a ton of ways to answer 
We're talking about Vraska. Sorry to interrupt, but we're talking about Vraska Golgari Queen for people who are unclear which Vraska we're referring to. Yeah, because yes. we said like six of them. So yeah, so, yeah. Um, I like that it interacts with a lot of the threats that people are playing in the format that are hard, difficult to interact with, and um, it's just also going to hit these planeswalkers. Everyone's going crazy about Oko or Just Guy Planeswalker decks or uh, Rotting Regisaur. And while yes, there are other threats that are bigger than it, I think that Obzon hits this nice little shell of having access to both D-Spark and Vraska, which I think are both exceptionally good cards moving forward. Right. I like, I love, again, outside of the two mana, uh, like, hole in the stack, all the cards in this deck are, are are incredibly versatile and good. Like, Oath can kill, Oath can finish a Planeswalker off and can also kill a creature. Murderous Rider kills a creature or a Planeswalker. Assassin's Trophy kills a creature or a Planeswalker. And then you have other cards that incidentally kill creatures um, it, that they don't have to. You know, like Tol- Tulsimir will kill a creature. Uh, Garrick will kill a creature. You have a lot of cards that double as removal spells, uh, mm-hmm. but you also have a lot of ways to deal with Planeswalkers between uh, Trophy, D-Spark, you know, Afterboard, Noxious Grasp, cards like that, uh, Murderous Rider, and Oath of Kaya, plus yeah. Questing Beast, too. So th- really, I-, I, love the- I love the fact that you don't... You never feel like your opponent plays a permanent and then you're dead in the water, which is nice feeling. Yeah, and I absolutely love the fact of just the sideboard cards being such silver bullets where games two and three, you get to configure your deck in such a way that all your removal is just directly targeting what your opponent's going to play. And there's just a lot of really good ones, like you were saying, like D-Spark. And I, the card, the sideboard card I'm most excited about in this shell is Devote Decree for week one standard. Devout decree. Devout decree. Devout decree. Sorry, the yeah. one colorless, one white exile target, red or black permanent, and scry one. Because these red black decks, obviously, so, it's going to be. I want to. I want to interrupt you for a second. That's not yeah. the, how the card reads. Exile a black or red creature, isn't it? It's only creature or planeswalker. You can't get enchantments with it. Devout yeah. decree does not exile experimental frenzy or exactly. uh, or the enchantment or the yeah. new enchantment. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't exile that. So just creatures and planeswalkers. But being able to deal with red, black, and mono red, just literally almost every card they have except enchantments, and then still having incidental stuff against like, <coughs> uh, is it Phoenix, which is base red now? If you think about it, there's like only Kefnet that might be the only blue card. Otherwise, you get to kill the Pyromancer, Crackling Drake. Like I think. Uh, uh, Devout Decree is going to be a nice 3-of in the board. I'm with you on that. Well, I don't know about 3, but I do like the card. Alright, 4, I, sorry. Well, I, <laughs> I want to talk about one other card that neither of us played. So we, Corey and I had a disagreement on on our 5-drop slots. We both agreed that 3 Tulsimir was very impressive for us, but um, I was playing Tristani and he was playing Nyssa and I think the conclusion is that bo- both of those cards were fine, but they aren't like you know they're they're both replaceable. Uh, probably not like going to make the final deck style cards. Agreed. Uh, so I, I actually have a I just I actually just thought of it while we were doing talking about this. But uh, I I've been very impressed with Doom Whisperer. I've been playing it in my abs in my uh, Esper Hero deck, and uh, it, it, the card has incredibly impressed me, especially when you have reach like Oath of Kaya or Questing Beast or whatever. And I, I think that Doom Whisperer could be incredibly powerful in this deck, especially with Kethys. So there's going to be times where you, if you have a Doom Whisperer and you're just like, okay, I'm just going to Doom Whisperer 16 cards in my graveyard, play a Kethys, double oath my opponent, and they're dead. You oh know, my like, god. Yeah. That seems I, I, insane. 
yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't interact with it being cast, but like later in the game, you can just like have a Kethis in hand, mill a bunch, have seven mana, play it, play two oaths. And right. I mean, up against another white deck where they have like devout decree and stuff, it's going to, of course, get much worse post board. But game one, that could just be a free win machine. Yeah, I've been incredibly impressed with Enhero. I've been winning a lot of games in Esper Hero by uh, just setting up lethals uh, through through Doom Whisperer, like with Oath of Kaya's. And so I, I think that the, the same could be had here. And, and it's probably even better here because uh, Questing Beast and, and the like are a more aggressive, you know. That's engine. a great idea. That is a really great idea. I think that fits very, very well with Kethos. All right. Well, I, I do like the Zabzon deck. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys work on it, but we're going to switch over to what I'm predicting to play in the Phantom Legends, if that's okay with you guys. I'm ready. Really cool. Um, so I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to, so yesterday during the early access event, I woke up early, worked on some decks, played them on stream, took a break, wrote an article, and then went back and played for another three or four hours on stream. And during that period, I came to uh blue green ramp. And, um, this is a strategy that I played during that fake arena 2020 format in Twitch rivals, but it had a lot of holes and I knew it did. It had no one drops. It had, um, bad, you know, 16 ramp spells. It was mass manipulation. It didn't feel like that good of a deck. Had very bad interaction. And I feel like even though this version of the deck is playing a ton of inter- a ton of new cards, they all do something specific that the deck had a hole in. So let's just go throughout the curve. So this deck is four Gilded Goose, four Leafkin Druid. The reason I'm playing Leafkin over the O2 is because I think that there's going to be a high number of Bone Crusher Giants in the coming weeks. Yep. Um, and so, and or also, just sh- or just straight up shock, yeah. straight up shock, yeah. And also the getting two creatures in play. If you're not playing mass manipulation, I just don't think that you have to play the uh, the O2 Druid, whatever it's called, incubation Druid, incubation yeah. Druid, yeah. And then four Paradise Druids in this deck, so that's the twelve uh, ramp creatures. Um, and then the rest of the deck is this very low to the ground Nissa deck. Now, while you have Nissa and you have Hydra Crisis as four of each, you also have four Wicked Wolf. Four, um, four Okos and uh, four Voracious Hydra, and then three Brazen Borrower. And so to set the stage for this deck, um, this deck is a deck that has a bunch of earlier things that you can do with your mana, but its top end is still Nissa plus Hydroid Crisis. And uh, I have one great Henge in the deck, but it was never that impressive, in all honesty, um, in, in the strategy. But I was super impressed with Oko's ability to just, like, control the game. But also even Brazen Borrower in the main deck didn't feel bad. I thought that the 3-1 body was just not what the deck wanted. And that is that is true. Except for the fact that you do have a ton of interactions, so slowing them down is nice. And the ability, the, the, the ability side of it, which is Petty Theft, of returning an online permanent is exactly what this deck wants. Because... You're a blue-green deck with eight fight creatures when they come into play, and Hydroid Craces and Nissa getting a little bit of interaction early to, to make sure that they um, don't have a good board when you play your Oko or your Nissa has just been phenomenal. I, I've been super impressed with Brazen Borrower in a, de- in a shell that I did not think I was going to like it. No, honestly, I really love uh, the shell you created here because blue-green kind of ramp-style decks where you ramp into giant uh, Voracious Hydras and um, Hydroid Crises 
have always been just like mid-range's downfall, right? Like, so I, I, I think this is going to be a really good way to attack the format if mid-range is going to be really popular. I'd be really curious to see like how this fares up against like a red-black aggro deck because those have always been kind of scary matchups. But I think Wicked Wolf uh, just changes that a lot because you're able to two-for-one your opponent pretty pretty early and pretty often. So I actually watched a lot of your stream with this deck because I was trying to snipe you. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I actually one viewer. Think, yeah, I actually I, I thought it was impressive too, but I, I maybe am not as sold on uh, Brazen Borrower as you are in this deck because I don't think your mana can cast the three one very well. No, like, um, it, it, you, you don't have that many blue sources, and you have like Leafkin Druid, which also doesn't tap for blue. Um, and I I did agree that petty theft aspect of the card was very powerful, but sometimes it seemed like you were in spots where it was like either awkward or you really couldn't cast the three one aspect of the card. Not I'm not saying that that's like the the important part of having this card in your deck. I did agree that the bounce the bounce was pretty strong, but I, I think this mana base could use some work. No, no, no. I need help with the mana base, and I have to register for fandom in four hours. I would love your help with the mana base. This sure. mana base is bad, so. I just wanted to try Castle, uh, Garen Brig, and Fabled Passage. Um, Castle, like, well, Fabled Passage, I think is is very good. No, I think Fabled Passage is very bad. It Why? can't be because I'm a ramp deck. It can't be my third land to cast my four drops. Yeah, you can't cast Nissa on turn three with Fabled Passage. Yeah, I, I, I uh, yeah, sure. That's sure. that's that was the trick that I found. Like, I wanted to try Fabled Passage because the theory is that it's going to be good. But, and it can find, when I don't need the blue, it can find me forests that help my Nyssa. Yeah. But I actually think that I'm supposed to just make my mana base worse and play a bunch more forests and, and islands and just hope that it works out because I can't afford tap lands in a deck that's trying to play uh, a ramp spell into something bigger. And even the cool thing that I liked about Brazen Bower slash Petty Theft is that there's a lot of games where I would play, if I didn't have my goose or my goose got cooked, <laughs> um, I would play a ramp creature on turn two, and then on turn three, I'd play another ramp creature and petty theft their thing, and then play a big thing. And yeah. then all of a sudden, I just switch the tempo. And yes, I might not be able to cast the Brazen Bower now, but I will be able to cast it. It will be relevant. And I always thought that that I this is my favorite card in the set by far, Brazen Borrower. And I, I always thought that I'm trying to build a deck for its 3-1 body, but now... The, the first deck I'm actually going to play in Phantom Legends in a serious competitive tournament is playing it for Petty Theft, which I think is really cool. Because I always was trying to build decks that wanted Brazen Bower and then Petty Theft was like the nice side. I always wanted to like bounce and then play Brazen Bower. Now it's like the 3-1 body is just going to help me interact later in the game. But what I really need is to make sure that I am not too far behind in the early game, which which is just, it's so cool to have a bounce spell that still gives you some some playability later. Seems yeah, really I think the card's really yeah. good. Yeah, I think the card. I think the card's strong. Um, did you consider playing Gingerbread Cabin in your deck? <laughs> um, no, I mean I'm gonna look at it because I don't think this is a joke. It's just ridiculous the names of these cards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the forest that um that creates a food token uh, when it comes into play. If it no, if, if, if it comes to play on taps, I don't think so because I need to play a decent amount of islands and I want to play Temple of Mystery. Sure. And this comes into play tapped. I just, and I don't think the food token is that. Like, the food stuff just kind of happens. And that's what you want out of your abilities. What 
Now, there's going to be times where I wish I had a food and I don't and I want to play Wicked Wolf and I can't. But for the most part, when I was playing this deck out, those synergies just were an added bonus, but I never felt like I was needing them or didn't have them. They just existed as the games played out. And that's what you want out of your abilities. That's what, to me, makes me feel like there's a good deck. When um, you're not, does that make sense? I mean, you know what I, I'm trying to say? Kind of, kind of, uh, but. I'm trying to say that like it's subtle and it's important to the strategy, but it's not vital. And I never feel like I needed food when I didn't have it. Um, no, I, I mean, food is just an app, like, Food is an added benefit. It's not an essential component to the deck. I, um, yeah. Yeah, but even like, like yeah. So I, I felt like, um, that 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 whole food sub theme in the strategy just kind of worked itself out and was really good. And I, I was just impressed with these cards. And the thing, the the takeaway to this archetype is, I probably take the Great Henge out of this deck, or maybe keep one because it's fun. But maybe we'll find something better for it in the next you know four hours where I have to register. But what I found amazing is I went from having a blue-green deck that had no interaction to this deck having just a ton, right? Like, there's 15 cards that interact with my opponent's stuff so in this I, main deck. That's that's insane. And that's not even talking about some of the cool be benefits of, like, the deck getting better with Castle Garen Bridge, which lets you, when you have access to seven mana, that's eight mana for Hydroid Crisis, which no, is, like, I a huge step up for that card. No, I think it's really interesting. One card uh, I was wondering, did you ever consider, instead of Leaf Kindred, like, Growth Spiral? Yes, I think that Growth Spiral is just not a good a good card. Okay, yeah, it, it just seems interesting to, like, cut four Leaf Kindred and cut the Great Henge for an extra land and four Growth Spiral just to avoid removal getting it, but maybe it's just not worth it. So, I had Growth Spiral in my other versions because I had 26 lands. This version has 24. Yep. Maybe you can talk me up to 25, but I think you don't want to play Gross Spiral without 26. And that was also a mass manipulation deck. Yeah. And I do agree with you. You definitely, Gross Spiral is nice against decks that wrath you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't think Gross Spiral is playable with, with less than 26 lands. And I think 26 is like even a questionable minimum for the card. Yes, I yeah. agree with all of that. But also like, that's, that's just fundamentally changing the deck. Like now you have Oko and you have... Um, Gilded Goose, which I think you just don't need it. And also that those cards, you can get to four four creatures really fast. Like I've went like, you know, Gilded Goose, um, and then played played my Leaf Conjured, played an Oko and something else the next turn. And then I turned that food token into a three three, and then that turned my my uh Leaf Conjured on like by turn four Ooh. without doing a lot. Yeah, I think the only thing spicy about, like, Gross Spiral would be just, like, on turn two, Gross Spiral into Forest, play Gilded Goose, and then have Nissa for the games where you don't draw it for turn one. But I, I like Leafkin Druid a lot more when you uh, mentioned the other kind of interactions there. Yeah, and who knows? Gross Spiral might be worth it, but I think that that build of the deck is going to also want to be able to cast Mass Manipulation, which I do not want to be able to cast in this format. It does not look like a format where that's going to be a good card. Yeah, I mean, it could always be a sideboard option against uh, more grindy decks, but yeah, it doesn't seem very good. I don't, I don't think it's possible as a sideboard option. Like, I, yeah. I question how often you can even cast Oko mm. early in the game without having to spend a Gilded Goose egg or uh, without, you know, because like I, when I was watching you, it seems you had a lot of games where you had, you know, double green source, Leaf Kindred, Nissa, or whatever, you know, which yeah. is, you, most of your deck's green, it's fine. 
Um, but I mean, it, I have almost 20 sources of blue mana counting my creatures. Like, I think that I was just drawing a, a like low land counts in a few games, but you want to know yeah, the thing? But, I, can yeah. I interrupt for one second? The, the thing that I love about uh, this blue green deck the most is you get to play like one of the best sideboard cards for this deck in the form of just like four Veil of Summer with Murderous Rider running around everywhere and Legion's End for your X creatures. You know, I, I think four Veil is just going to be insane. Or if they're trying to Noxious Grass, your Oko, if you ever get that exchange, like they're so far behind. Oh yeah, I'm going to build that into my sideboard uh, at least three or four of that card. I thought about that. Yeah. Like there's just going to be a lot of decks that have black removal. Murderous like, Riders everywhere. Yeah, like that, uh, your Obzon deck is very powerful, but if I just get ahead and I just, you know, do uh, my degenerate stuff is way more degenerate than your stuff. Oh, yeah. And the nice thing as well is like you can hold up one green by holding up like a Gilded Goose and a food token so that you like, you know, could have that food around if you don't need to veil as well as just have it just in case they play removal. Like, I, I, I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I don't think Abzan, uh, like this kind of deck preys on decks like Abzan. Yeah. I, I can't imagine Abzan being good against the strategy. Not a chance. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have to work on my sideboard. But yeah, veil is definitely going to be a high number. Um, I, but I still like, there's things you have to do to this deck, right? Like there's going to be matchups where my wicked wolf or voracious Hydra, like probably wicked wolf should be cut voracious stays. Maybe wicked wolf stays if in a wrath matchup too. Actually. I feel like, I feel like you really undervalue voracious Hydra. I think that card's unbelievable. Yeah, even on well, just no, like I, turn three, making, you know, with a ramp creature doing it for two, making a four or five on turn three is so like good. I, I even like, I saw you were citing it out last week in fandom and I just did not agree with that. I but, know. Yeah. I knew that you didn't agree with that. Um, I, I think the cards, right. I just think that card is incredibly good. And like, I, I've been really impressed with that card every time I play against it, almost regardless of what my deck is. Yeah. So, well, I got four of it and I'm going to play four of it. Um, I like that. Smart. But yeah, we got to work on a sideboard right now for those at home. You'll see if by the time this comes out, my deck list will be up and I'll be streaming and it'll be up on MTG Goldfish for the fandom stuff. So you'll know what I did end up playing with the sideboard. So go take a look at that. Um, but if you're interested while we're talking real quick, cards that I'm very interested in playing are Autumn's Veil, uh, Aether Gust. Veil of Summer. for. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Veil of Summer, Aether Gust. What else did I have on my sideboard last night? Some Disdainful Strokes. The 5-4, uh, Shifting yeah, Ceratops. I, I, I slept on it, and I don't think I want that card. Okay. Um, I might, I might not still play it. One of the cards that I definitely thought about that might be ridiculous. Oh, and also, like, anti-feather um, slash Planeswalker decks. Like, I think I'm going to have some number of Agents or Ugans. Ooh, I like Agent a lot. I like Ugin a lot, too. Yeah. I, I, think, I think you are overvaluing Ugin significantly. Overvaluing it? Yeah, I think agents like I think agents way better than Ugin in this. Well, I in this kind of it when you can take it. Like I think I think Ugin uh, too often is six mana destroy something and then die, and that's not to me that's not super impressive. Mm-hmm. Okay, well I I'll agree. just play a bunch of agents. It's also good against feather, but I don't know if anyone's going to play feather. Right. Ugin's- well, Ugin, Ugin Ugin would be way better against feather because God's willing. But um, now, but now against them, I'll have Aether Gust, which I still think is a very good card, but also Brazen Borrower. Yeah. You know, I'll have like five interactive spells plus all the fight stuff. So who knows? Maybe I won't need it. Um, yeah. Like 
Wicked Wolf plus a food kills a feather. That's pretty good. And then just Voracious Hydra, if you're ever on the play, whatever creature they play, you just immediately eat. It seems fine. Oh, I found against Feather that you just, instead of fighting, you just make a giant Hydra and race them. Yep, I was going to say the same thing. Okay. There's there's a lot of games where they're spinning their wheels uh, interacting with you. And, um, you know, they're they're generating the value that you're not getting, but they're falling behind on the damage. Like, if you could just push a little bit of damage through and then just play a, a big Hydroid Crisis or a big Voracious Hydra, sometimes you just... doesn't matter that they've drawn 10 cards off their feather or whatever. You're, yeah. you, you could just kill them, so... Yeah, they, they have all these tricks, but they can't actually deal with, like, a 10-11. Right. And with Castle, you even get an extra two counters just because you, you drew that land. Um... So all of that sounds cool. That's the, so yeah. I'll probably have Agent my sideboard a lot of Autumn's Veil, a lot of Aethergust. The one card that I thought about that I think is stains, but I still might play it <laughs> is um, Frogify. Or there's two versions of it. It's pretty much Blue's Pacifism. It just turns a creature into one one with no ability. Casmina Transmutation. Yes, and I, I'm just afraid of specific creatures out of some of these decks, um, specifically any of the black green or. Uh, red black aggressive decks i just rotting regisaur i just i have brazen borrow and maybe i have to lean on it there you also but, have oko too and i have oko yeah maybe i don't need that card maybe i'll just play real magic cards on my sideboard i know i know you highly suggest doing that often brian is playing good cards in sideboards instead of bad ones <laughs> yeah i'm a, i'm a, i'm you know it's crazy that i'm a i'm a i'm a proponent of playing good instead of bad cards Wild. who would have been able to predict why you been already- playing us for hero for so long but <laughs> in in uh in honesty though uh you know it, i'm i'm being glib but the truth is that I, I i do strongly i i think that you should play very high impact sideboard cards and like a lot of times people will play cards that are like uh slight you know they're gonna like marginally improve their matchup against a deck like you get to trade your removal spell that costs two mana for one that costs one mana, or or sorry, three mana for two mana, or something like that. And like that's a marginal improvement in a matchup. But I'd rather play a card that has a you know like a massive impact on the game. Um, like like I'm a huge I'm a huge advocate in like older formats of playing cards like Blood Moon and your sideboard cards that just one shot your opponents when so they're there's, good. So there's there's yeah. two ways of thinking. I think that your sideboard card should either be that high impact, so when you draw them, that it actually has a huge impact on the game, like you said. Yep. Or that it it is a high enough density in your sideboard to drastically change a matchup the way you want it to. Yeah. Um, for example, like I saw, um, you know, the the way that the Kethis decks have been moving, while they do have a good Vampires matchup, that matchup kept getting worse and worse when Ruinous Blasts were taken out of the main deck. And you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't agree, actually. You think the matchup was just always still good? Um, I actually found that I was doing better against Vampires without Ruinous Blast. Okay, that's just wild, but um, it, I, it makes sense though because vampires is is massively behind against Kethis, uh, and the adva- the way vampires beats Kethis is through Soren and uh, Vona, and they're both legendary. That I actually found sure. that I found that Yogmoth's Vile offering was way better than Urza's Ruinous Blast against them. Crazy. All right. Well, I didn't play enough Kethis. You played way more than me, but but my example might not even be a good one then. But Javier Dominguez had like three disfigures in his sideboard of his Kethis deck when he gave me it to play in E-League. And right. while that might not be correct in that situation, those are the two ways I like to do sideboards. Like 
where you get to make a drastic change to your deck. If I want to use a good example, it would be the Fleece Main Lion Obs on Cyborg, but that's really old. But see, I, I don't think that we're at odds with each other because I think Disfigure is a high-impact card. Disfigure, Disfigure is a... Like, Disfigure is one mana, like, destroy the tempo of your opponent's deck in a matchup where that's where that's basically the game. All right, well, like, so. Brian, can I just ask you, we're going yeah. late today. I, I, I don't want to take up any more of your time. How about we... Would you be willing to come back onto the podcast to talk about high impact cyborgs and, and and maybe we'll have a cyborg episode? Uh, no, no. Okay, well that <laughs> yeah. sucks. We'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to find a, we'll have to find somebody else that makes that works on cyborgs. <laughs> After this experience, absolutely not. No, <laughs> but no. Um, I think that is going to wrap it up for this week, everyone. Throne of Eldraine does look absolutely awesome, and I'm oh, yeah. excited. I'm excited this this podcast comes comes out the day that this releases. So hopefully a lot of you are playing online right now while listening to this or uh, getting ready to get your cards, um, open up your wild cards or whatever, and start playing this format because it does look awesome. Um, uh, other yeah. than that, we've got we've got some tournaments to get ready for. I've got uh, oh yeah no we I I didn't even I didn't even remember that we have a we have the monarch as our special guest Corey. What? Yeah, Brian, you are you're the E League monarch, right? Uh I am, yes. Oh, that's awesome. So you have you have that to prepare for for next week. I've got fandom legends this week. And Corey's gonna be getting ready for the Mox playoff that neither of us are qualified for. Yeah. And I mean honestly, if anybody out there wants to check out these decks in action, I mean we are uh I assume both of you are gonna be streaming this weekend. We're gonna be streaming on our individual channels and uh I know I'm gonna be perfecting Abzan, so come check it out, come check all of us. Yeah, for sure. But um yeah, that'll do it for today's episode. Brian, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks, baby. It was yeah. a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. It's 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 always a pleasure to uh, be a guest on a uh, podcast that I admire. Oh, we're honored to have you. Oh, thank you so much. And everyone out there, be wary when you go on your own adventures because there are wicked wolves ready to eat you. <laughs> AKA, it's uh, try to be stream sniping you like BBD. But yeah. you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry too much about the wicked wolves because you're always going to be protected by Brazen Jack. Bowerer, <laughs> who uh, he may only have 24 hours, but that man gets a lot done during that period of time. Dun dun. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Bash Rose podcast. Uh, again, you can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher if you'd like to follow us there, as well as uh, subscribe to our Patreon. But that is going to be it for this week, as we need to go get ready more magical adventures. See you later.